0: Since the beginning of time, our planet has undergone incredible transformation. Pangea broke apart 175 million years ago, eventually forming the continents we know today. Plant and animal life has evolved or gone extinct, giving room for new life to make its way. Much of this is natural, a progression of the world as it matures and settles. Other phenomena are a result of our greed and disregard for the health of the planet, Melting ice caps, rising ocean levels, and wildfires that raged for weeks while decimating acres of land and homes. Perhaps the Earth needs to send a sign once in a while that we are not as welcome here as we thought. That might be what happened in the southeastern United States in the early 1800s. It started on December 16th of 1811, when a small earthquake began in Arkansas, followed by an aftershock six hours later. The shockwave spread out of a small town that was once part of the Louisiana Territory. Today, it's known as New Madrid. At that time, New Madrid was an up and coming community of farmers and pioneers. They would travel the Mississippi River each day, never paying any mind to the idea that the ground beneath their feet might not be completely solid. The first quake wasn't particularly strong, but did minor damage to the few buildings in the area. Less than a month later, another quake hit. And it hit hard. It changed the landscape. The ground opened up and claimed the lives of countless livestock, including horses and cattle. The mountains shook and produced devastating landslides. Stream banks caved in. So much debris was kicked up, it blocked out the sun. The Mississippi River actually flowed backward. The January earthquake was so strong, clocks stopped tens of miles away, and it was reported that minor tremors were felt as far north as Washington, D.C. One man named George Heinrich Grist was quoted as saying, if we do not get away from here, the ground is going to eat us alive. Another eyewitness, John Bradbury, was in a boat traveling down the Mississippi River when it happened. He wrote, the perpendicular banks, both above and below us, began to fall into the river in such vast masses as nearly to sink our boat. John had tallied 27 shocks total by the time it was all over. Things seemed to calm down after that, while the residents of New Madrid started to rebuild. However, everything would change a few weeks later, on February 7th of 1812, when the town became the epicenter of another massive quake. Chimneys crumbled as houses were shaken from their foundations. A new lake was formed in Tennessee when the land shifted in such a way as to block the flow of several streams. Shocks traveled as far north as Canada and were strong enough to ring church bells in Boston. New Madrid was all but destroyed. The Richter scale wouldn't be invented for another century or so. But based on the accounts of those present, it's estimated that the worst of the New Madrid earthquakes would have measured at an 8.0. Compare that with California a veritable hotspot of seismic activity. The strongest quake on record there occurred in 1857 in Fort Tejon. It measured 7.9 on the Richter scale. Since then, minor quakes have plagued Missouri. Over 4,000 of them, in fact. None of which have been as strong as the ones that occurred in 1811 and 1812. But that isn't to say that it won't happen again in the future. Scientists estimate that within 50 years there could be a significant chance of another massive quake striking the region. And if it does, it could quite possibly change the shape of the country all over again. Any great architect manages to leave their mark on the world. It could be as simple as an office building or a unique design for a house, but there's always an artifact left behind that represents their lasting legacy. Frank Gehry's wavy, metallic design for the Guggenheim Museum in Spain has been hailed by some as the greatest building of our time. The Shard in London seems to erupt from the earth and pierce the sky with its clean lines and sharpened point at the top. And Falling Water, the iconic home designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, is among the Smithsonian's top places to visit before you die. Although their styles may vary, these architects have influenced countless others in shaping the future of where we live and work. And then there's Brian. Brian is an architect, too. Born in Iowa in 1974, he's the mind behind hundreds of buildings— It's a passion he inherited from his grandfather, who also worked in the field of architecture. In fact, when Brian was only 17, he was awarded a Guinness World Record for the tallest house in the world. From there, he went on to earn a degree in architecture from Iowa State University and a master's in design studies from Harvard. After graduation, Brian struck out on his own. Unfortunately, there was no agency prepared to handle his unique aesthetic. He's constructed buildings for corporations, museums, and even Walt Disney World. He's toured the globe, designing structures that defy logic in both their design and their construction. Brian isn't a fan of concrete and steel. He doesn't use nails, nor does he hire a crew to bring his designs to life. Brian does all the work himself. There isn't really a need for a whole crew anyway. That tallest house in the world he won a record for? It was only 14 and a half feet tall. His tallest structures don't grow any higher than 26 feet or so. That's because they're all built out of playing cards. Brian Berg has traveled all over the world for more than two decades, constructing towers, skyscrapers, and replicas of famous buildings out of normal, everyday playing cards. One of his first creations was a tower in his college atrium that was made out of over 1,500 decks and measured 25 feet tall. The tower took almost three weeks to build, which he did in shifts ranging from 4 to 12 hours. He went on to reach new heights when he built a tower in a German casino lobby in 1999. By the time it was finished, it was 25.29 feet tall and took more than 1,700 decks to build. Brian will go anywhere and everywhere to show off his skills, including national television to break his own Guinness World Record He always builds his card structures in public and almost never uses adhesive. He doesn't believe in trying to deceive the public. His creations never feature hidden support beams, and they all end up the same way when the building is done, with a dramatic deconstruction into nothing but a pile of playing cards. It's fun for him to do all that work and then watch it come tumbling down. His audiences seem to like it, too. In 2010, Brian traveled to China, where he erected a card-based replica of the Venetian Hotel. It took over 218,000 cards and 40 hours to build before he used a powerful fan to blow the foundation out from under it. After some strategically placed gusts of wind, the whole thing eventually fluttered to the ground card by card, as though it had never existed at all. Brian is still traveling today designing new card structures and upgrading his construction techniques that utilize newer, stronger methods and require fewer decks to complete. He may never build a house anyone can actually live in, but his work teaches us a lesson that will outlast any building made of wood or metal. Nothing is truly permanent, and everything we do could fall to pieces at any time. Just like A House of Cards. Thank you.